Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Coghill, Jordan Fermanis and Nick here of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing Amazon's drone delivery service. Nick, you're leading us off on this. What's going on with Amazon's drone delivery service? It's it's all coming, right? It's very exciting. They're at the cutting edge. Amazon's all over this, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing that they. I was very excited. If I'm, if you're anything like me, you'd have been excited by the thought that you could order your next, you know, packet of frozen peas and yep. have it delivered by a robot, yeah, who would turn up either on wheels on tank tracks, one assumes, trundling along, mm. or even more excitingly, flying in. Mm. Uh, to drop it uh, presumably in your garden or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, within minutes, I yeah, would hope. Yeah. But apparently they're cutting; they're having to cut their staff back there. The the, the drone delivery service now looks like it's sort of imperiled. Um, you know, c- usual things about costs and um, uh, pro- all of the kind of unanticipated uh, unanticipated technical problems and um, whether or not there's actually the right level of demand. All of those things. Okay. So, <clears throat> which is you know fun. But I think what we want to talk about is whether or not... Because um, they were amongst the first to tout right, this. Or, yeah, right. right. And now, of course, you know, they, they've they've happily made all the mistakes. And presumably when Facebook starts its drone delivery service, mm-hmm. uh, they will be able to already forge Capitalize down that, that trodden path. So the, the question is, when it when is it good to be the first person in a new innovative market? And um, when is it not and is there some way of knowing, apart from actually trying it out, is there some way of knowing which which one of those you are if mm. you're planning to create and um, hopefully exploit a new market? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I want to go to Peter. Um, what, what have you got to say at this point? Yeah, so my, re- my research uh, highlighted that the being a first mover is sensitive to a number of, sort of environmental factors. Uh, so the environment, principally around what the market is like or the latent market of the the thing the area you're selling into and what the envi- the technical environment is like if it how novel is it how sort of well trodden is it so those are the, those are kind of two really important factors um so a market that's new or latent or fast moving so the, the expectation of consumers what do you mean by market being latent that it's it's not it's it's, it's sort of unexplored so there's people want this thing, but there's no one gotcha. selling it yet. Or okay. people will want this thing if they know this thing oh, okay. exists. Okay. Like uh, social media, yeah, which wasn't even a thing people knew people wanted till it mm-hmm. came along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so the market's like if it's if it's new or fast moving. So the expectations of consumers shifts quite quickly. Like early days of social media, um, things change very quickly in 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 that because it was finding its feet. But also that it's the same the same ideas for technology so if it's cutting edge if it's new if it's rapidly expanding these key factors um make the make this the 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 waters in which you're treading more or less turbulent so it's so a market where things are an established market where technology doesn't change very much say like things like paper or um, cars mm-hmm. um it's relatively easy to as as long as you as long as there's additional market capacity to get into that market, you just keep doing the same things that everybody else does. But if you're selling something 
that's new and into a market that isn't really founded yet, it gets much more complicated um, for various for lots of reasons. Okay. All right. Are we ready? Actually, I'm slightly just. I think we moved away from drones too fast. I wanted to talk about drones a bit more. But give me hope. There are other people out there talking about drones and developing drones. Yes. Uh, well, I, yeah. I, I think there's lots of people looking Good. at drones. Okay. Um, but uh, the first delivery by drone may now be a bit further away than we thought. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. That's a shame. Are we ready to talk about examples of stuff where it's worked out, or stuff where it hasn't worked out? Well, I've got some a few examples of just you know historical examples of of where it worked out not necessarily these i've just gone through uh, uh some document documentary okay. examples okay of inventions that were new and you know what happened to the people who invented it and so the company that first produced we'll come it. on to that because i think jordan's got some that didn't work out yeah as well have you got some of the same um similar yeah well i think the amazon example is a good one of of how we need to distinguish between durable long-lasting free market uh, first mover advantage and sort of short-lived ephemeral um first mover advantage so an example of a long-lasting advantage would be something like coca-cola or kleenex tissues something that has become sort of iconic um using its first mover advantage and something that is more short-lived would be like netscape yeah which developed an internet browser before Microsoft came along and displaced it in the dot-com boom in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, yeah, it's important to sort of distinguish between when... It, you, I think, as Peter was saying, you have to have the right conditions to flourish um, and to sort of capitalise on your first mover advantage. It's not something that you can just take for granted. So that being the case, are we able to say why was it that Coca-Cola was successful as a first mover, why Kleenex was successful, but why Netscape wasn't. I think we should come on to potential hypotheses okay. in due course. So let's talk more about then. Give us some others. So you've got some, Nick, some more examples then. Yeah, just so the way that I approached this was to say, well, what are the most significant inventions of the 20th stroke 21st century? Mm. Uh, in fact, it's 20th stroke 19th centuries. But um, who invented it, right? And who, who first sold it? And where are they now? Mm -hmm. So have in these cases, I've got about uh, seven or eight different different things, have in these cases the people who were first in managed to in any way retain? I've got a prediction. What? I think most of them, uh, the individual or the firm, will have been a f failure and sort of forgotten by history. Okay. That's my prediction. Well, let's have a look. Aeroplane. Mm. You might have heard tell of such a thing. I've heard of these um, things, yeah. Invented by... A couple of chaps name of right villain right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um now they effectively had a monopoly in 1905 because mm. they just invented it um but they were obsessed with secrecy didn't want to let people play with their new airplane um they were very uncompromising in their discussions with governments in you know for military contracts and so by the time they got going there was already a fair bit of competition and um so in by 1915 they were already uh, uh more or less financially running out of um running out of uh you know prof profitability and mm -hmm. they then merged with the martin company which eventually became curtis wright which mm -hmm. um you know were obviously able to do something with that ip because but after the war they were the biggest airplane manufacturer in the u.s um but they they are no longer a big player airbus mm. is um television but they did all right for a while though 
you know, well, merging. Well, they did okay for 10 years, but these are the people who invented the aeroplane. Mm, I suppose in long term, sort of, yeah, not they, much, if they'd it? have played it differently, they could have done a lot better. Yeah. Um, uh, television, did television, you say? Television, yeah. Now, it's, you might think. Logie Baird, no, wasn't it? See, everyone, everyone in Britain thinks it's John Logie Baird. Edison. The only. All you can say about television is it was invented by about 25 people at the same time. <laughs> okay. Uh, all different approaches. The Baird approach was a mechanical television involving mm. a spinning disc. Mm. Um, uh, the Baird company, as far as I can tell, disappeared fairly quickly. Because uh, now Telefunken CRT, who were the German firm, they were the first people who made cathode ray tubes, mm. Telefunken. Um they were sold in 1967, so they had a good run at it, 30 years or so. First mm. sort of more recognisably modern telly. The first electronic telly, Sony, 1959, only just after the invention of the transistor. But they Sony said, that's going to be big, this transistor. Let's make a TV, which is electronic. And um, they uh, they are still around. I don't Whatever happened to Sony? Sony. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, now the leader is Samsung, but Sony's still... Okay, game. but hold on. On the scores, so we're sort of you know evens at the moment. Is that about I'd right? Say, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then we got um, the a little thing called the computer, yeah. which was invented by uh, Babbage. Yeah, Turing, Charles Babbage, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Whatever, yeah. But the first sort of production computer was the ENIAC, invented by the University of Pennsylvania. Now, a couple of guys involved in that set up a company called the Electronic Controls Company. Um, but they had cash flow problems right from the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, they were suspected of having communist leanings and had mm-hmm. government contracts cancelled and were eventually sold to Remington Rand in 1950. Mm-hmm. But they were later merged into Unisys, which I think is still going. Okay. I don't know what they do, but they... Uh, so now who's the biggest manufacturer of computers? Lenovo, okay. not Unisys. Where are All Lenovo based, apparently? Where, where, where country? Country? China, Say again? Are they Chinese? Hmm. Yeah. Radios. This yeah. is an interesting Marconi. One. Marconi invented the radio, and um, they were very successful. Um, they uh, were acquired by English Electric in 1956 and by GEC in uh, 1968, and they're still the very big manufacturer. Okay. And of course, uh, who's making radios now? Well, everything's a radio. How do you mean? Well, name something that isn't a radio. Don't say a toaster. That jumper. <laughs> a piano. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all of those things that could picture. have a radio in them. But I mean, you know, n- nobody buys radios anymore. But I mean, right, so I see I mean, For the g- period during which, I mean, in the extent that if you've got the internet, you've got a radio. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, cars. Another example where actually the first mover advantage was, was useful. They're invented by Carl Benz in 1886. Okay. You might recognise the name Benz because mm, it's still going. Mm. They did have a few problems in the 1920s. Uh, but uh, merged with Daimler, inventing, uh, created the Mercedes company, still exists and and actually um, has 3.1% of the global market share. So it's about uh, a ninth. So pretty good, I'd say, cars. Okay. Um, antibiotics, uh, 1928, invented by... Don't know. Alexander... Fleming. Fleming, yeah. yeah. But he gave the patent away. The first first commercially produced antibiotic was by, uh, Pro- Prontosil which was created by Bayer Labs. They mm. were already quite big, though, and they're already big. They're the fifth biggest uh, pharma company in the world. Do you know what by the, the way, is? you threw me off when you said invented by, but it's more like discovered by, and then, I guess, invented product. But anyway, yeah, so go on. Productized by Bayer Labs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're, the, they're currently the fifth biggest pharma company in the world, but they were all, they'd already been going for quite a while. Okay. So I think that's a not. That's a, yeah. We oh, you think that's that. a not? I think I call fine. that a yes. No. All right, fine. Is that all of them? The, no, the final one. Yeah. Um, is a thing you might have used called the World Wide Web. 
maybe invented by Tim Berners Lee in 1989, but yeah. not patented. Did yeah, not seek yeah, to yeah. exploit it commercially. Um, the first website was some academic thing. Yeah, CERN. Yeah, um, but actually, as Jordan uh, alluded to, that uh, almost all of the big internet companies in the 1990s no longer exist. CompuServe shut down in 19 in 2009. Prodigy shut down in 1999. Alta Vista and GeoCities both of which were bought and then shut down by Yahoo. Mm. Uh, Ask Jeeves, still still around as ask.com, never use it. Angel Fire still exists, but currently part of an Indian mm. conglomerate. And Netscape, as Jordan mentioned, was bought by AOL and was obsoleted in 2008. So I'd say the internet is actually quite an unusual example. Mm. 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 It's not it's not a com- not the not common. So so what does that tell mm. us? I don't know. So open, I mean just open the over to the uh, floor. Yeah, as a quick um observation it seems to me that even for the ones that are the first movers it's, it's and even the ones where you could say hey they did really well and they're still around then they're never i think not in one example of a the biggest in the what market do you want out of life right you know i mean but, if you invent something and then a hundred years later you're you're you've got three percent of the global market share i'd say that's a success yeah you've certainly got a lot more chance of being in the top 10 than someone who didn't invent it but also what i think is quite interesting is i was surprised actually when we were talking about the wright brothers i hadn't realized they were so commercially oriented from the beginning um and maybe that made a difference or not it sounds like it did make a difference but also with tim berners lean totally you know uncommercial and doesn't actually want to you know profit from it it sounds like i don't know i think that's interesting what so from from that sort of fairly small sample um what can we say Either Peter or Jordan, jump in. Uh, so, so yeah, so I, another area I researched were like reasons why first mover advantages fail, and these are good examples. I think that uh, that map onto various reasons. So I developed this little taxonomy of mechanisms of failure. I was looking at tech the, companies mainly. The Coghill taxonomy the of failure. The taxonomy Top of failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Will it take off? <laughs> yeah. At least he's a first media. mover in this. Yeah. Is that a good? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, so um, so, poor, so poor management and incompetence is one of my sort of, one of the mechanisms of failure. And I think Wright Brothers, you could argue. Don't point at Nick. Had they, yeah. <laughs> Wright Brothers, had they been a bit more commercially savvy in terms of, sharing the ip or being a bit more yeah. open with the ip perhaps they would have they would have been more successful but there are other other things so um understanding of uh, the uh, lack of understanding of your consumer so this this example i think is betamax versus vhs the, the, the one of the main reasons that failed betamax failed to uh, i guess they thought people would be more interested in quality than they actually were they were yeah right that's, that's what they thought they thought well sacrifice playtime for quality yeah which meant that you couldn't get feature length films. were they shorter i didn't they realize short, that. they were shorter okay. they were like 60 minutes or something rather than four hours okay but some there was some technical decision they made which was wrong um Te- technical inferiority or um i call it pioneer disadvantage so this is this is playing into the technical space moving too quickly so you build something and pour resource into that and it turns out to be not as good as somebody who comes along afterwards having learnt your lessons or learned having benefited from the lessons that you've learned and comes out with something better and quicker yeah. and cheaper yeah um product product or service dogmatism or barking up the wrong tree so this is this is deciding on a thing 
and not not and being inflexible in it. Yeah, not pivoting. Yeah. So, Ooh, so yeah, so that makes me think of um, that. Uh, what were they called? Just friends. Friends reunited. Yeah. So that yeah, that's who cool. refused to so, yeah, allow space, you to share contact details. My and stuff, but, yeah, like. friends reunited just had weird restrictions that Facebook didn't. That, uh, yeah. But, but what, the example I like is MySpace, which failed for other reasons myspace didn't see itself as a social media network yeah it saw itself as a traditional media network whose job it was to produce content for people to consume and buy yeah whereas facebook said none of that we don't we're not we're not interested in making content we just want people to connect yeah harvest their data and sell them and, and ad- advertise yeah them. um and but uh, yeah, facebook flexed into that because they 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 originally weren't really doing any commercialization they sort of the, the data harvesting and everything else became came later i wonder how they did think they might make money but anyway yeah uh um, let's get the users and finally then get the money fi- finally is about sort of price to the consumer or internal costs if you're if you're if you're if you first mover picks the wrong suppliers picks the wrong um uh, enablers and you're tied into greater costs than your competitors might necessarily be, then then that's going to be a problem that you're going to pass on to consumers, and consumers are going to pick one to choose uh, choose a cheaper option. Any well-known examples of that? Or um, yeah, so Apple in the '90s, Apple is obviously now a pretty pretty successful company, but in the '90s they were really struggling, and they were mm. being bullied out of the market by the sort of Microsoft uh, Intel cartel. Mm. Um, who could produce things cheaper and quicker than than, than Apple could, and had okay. caught and in that partnership between the software and the hardware manufacturer meant that they could do things cheaper than Apple, who was trying to do everything at once with gotcha. different suppliers. Okay. Um, okay, this is. I feel we're getting into this. Um, Jordan, anything to add on this? Any thoughts? Um, yeah, I was just thinking that it seems like historically, first mover advantage has been really significant. Um, and it's played a big part in in the success of of a company. But in more recent examples, it looks like it's the opposite is true. So with anything to do with the internet, when Nick was speaking earlier, I was talk- thinking about Google, which wasn't the first search engine, but is indisputably probably the most popular now. Mm. Starbucks is another example of coffee shops were around before Starbucks um, w- mm-hmm. went into the market, but they they managed to to sort of um, be successful without first mover advantage. So I'm just thinking whether it's something, it's a sort of outdated theory perhaps, um, and in the sort of more innovative industries or in the modern world, it's not as such an... Yeah, I think there's a... What do we reckon? The the economics might shed some light on this. Go on. Um, So the the theory is, uh, from a sort of production economics point of view, is that you are meant to find yourself in a first mover position. And at that point, you've got a few means by which you can generate an advantage. Um, so the, the main one being cost advantages, right? You're, you're able to uh, generate some scale when there's nobody else in the market. At that point, you're now theoretically cheaper. So, I mean, that's, that's I guess, traditionally, yeah. um, you know, in manufacturing, that would be the big advantage is, uh, is that you, you have a, you, you've got, you're the one with the factory. Somebody yeah, else yeah. hasn't got a factory. You're already cheaper and you can exploit that to sell more cars and the new guy is not going to be able to cover his costs because he, he's not at the same scale you're at. Mm. Um, 
uh, also generating a monopoly on scarce inputs, right? Mm. So the idea being you grab a you grab the, the prime spot in the centre of town for your restaurant, and yeah. that's it's gone now. And similarly, if you can, if McDonald's is buying all the potatoes, you know that it's harder for other people to find potato suppliers who are willing to sell to them. Um, of course, big one, and I think this is where the interesting bit comes in with Jordan's observation is is if you can get switching costs, so network effects and switching costs. So in what's other words, what, sorry, what's switching costs? Well, like you know, like it's uh, if you have if you've got locked into the Gillette razor system, yeah, um, it's harder for you to switch to. Gotcha. Okay. You know, yeah. 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 Uh, well, that happens v- in my VHS, industry. VHS, Betamax, Canon, thing. Sony. You know, when yeah, you invest in your exactly. lenses and your cameras and also your know-how and, you know... All knowledge. of that, yeah. yeah. So, so if, and if you can have switching costs, you get... Now, if you think about nearly all of that, really only applies to real-world production. Um, so, cost advantages. I could set up a network, a new social network tomorrow, and if people liked it, it would be very easy for me to scale up it would be you know well not free because i'd have to pay for server time and stuff but it's a linear scaling up i don't i don't need to buy a warehouse full of servers to to create a new social network not so with something like amazon so i I couldn't invent my own logistics network amazon have a real world cost advantage that Mm. i i don't have as a new entrant um so all they have actually is is that sort of what's left if you like of first mover advantage which is um familiarity brand recognition what about how important or not is scarcity of the product or service that you're offering i.e if you're the only one selling it um well if you can that's the whole point is that you're trying to get into a position where you're a monopolist but with online services the problem is there is no there's no real cost advantage you know to being the first entrant it's very easy for someone to invade a market and they don't need to have invested billions of pounds because they can just be better and come from nowhere, like Facebook did with MySpace. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the thing. If we're talking about the information world, um, that that a lot of these purported first mover advantages disappear and some of the problems, which are all to do with um, effectively positive externalities. So in other words, my mistakes are good for everyone else. I can't sell my mistakes to you. I'd like to. It'd be great if I can say, oh, I can teach you how to not make these mistakes. But it's free because other people exactly. can read, yeah. read the business press and find out about it. So this backs up what um, Jordan was saying. Yeah, why sort of first movers seems to be historically an advantage, but less so now. Yeah, or I would say, you know, an advantage in real world manufacturing, not so in information. Okay. And, and of course, since all of the kind of new business, the new sectors that we think of are information based yeah and i think that that's borne out in 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 intuition if you think about the rapid rise of new online services like zoom just exploding during pandemic and Mm. now being one of the biggest of online chat programs tiktok has only been around recent since recent very recent now it's comparable in, in competing with facebook and 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 twitter and so it's like it's a very turbulent place because the, the constraints are lifted in in the online world. I would say there are still a few constraints, like scarce resource constraints around availability of talent, the people you, you're going to have to build and maintain the thing, your products. But those the skilled people are pretty adaptable, so skill sets can be developed quite quickly in in a workforce. That's a really good point. I mean, that's and that's almost a side effect. If you're the first person in there, you're probably you've got more knowledge about that 
domain than anyone else in the world because mm. you kind of invented it. Um, but, and I've only just had this thought, but it occurs to me that actually one of the whole points about the modern information industry is that you are looking to automate as much yeah. as possible um, to dehumanize and also reuse. I mean, everything yeah. that kind of Facebook, you could build a Facebook using open source stuff that other people have built for more gen you know, general purpose blocks will build a Facebook. Yeah. You can use, use the same general purpose blocks to build a Google. Um, it, they're, they're, they're kind of blocks that are good at doing their one little thing and in composite will build a more complicated thing. Hmm. So, yeah, so and the skills are the skills required are you know, achievable by people. Again, I mean, I think it's interesting. We're actually, I'm surprised we're sort of towards where we need to start thinking about stopping. But um, I think the Zoom thing is interesting. I mean, they're definitely not the um, first mover. Some probably something like Skype or maybe someone else I've never heard of. I yeah. don't know. I, I mean, that but, feels very like the Wright brothers getting yeah. uh, getting taken over by someone who was you know better at it. And, Skype is awful. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and like Peter, you know, Peter's example of being stuck in old paradigms. Skype was stuck in the idea that this was about phone calls. I was yeah, calling yeah, people yeah. rather than um, th essentially this is a website that you click on and you're in a meeting room. Yeah. And I remember that's what you always liked about Google Hangouts. Yeah. Um, and I think what's interesting, Zoom was already doing really well. Right. And I was already just through my work, a, a big user of Zoom. Um, but what's interesting is this thing about events. Right. And something happens which no one, well, maybe you can predict it, but just something just completely, you know, a curveball that completely changed the market. Um, and is it a question of, you know, what would what 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 would Zoom what would be Zoom share price, right? Were it not for the pandemic, right? Um, and is it were they always going to be? We don't know how successful they will be in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. But now they're looking really good. But what would have happened? What's what's going on with their trajectory without that pandemic? And does it really affect mm. things in the long term? I don't know. These are just musings. Um, as I said, we're near. We're, we're, we're kind of at the end almost. But also, it's one of those rare podcasts where I feel we have actually addressed <laughs> the question, <laughs> answered it, and have a definitive answer, more or less. Which is does well, first always satisfying. Yeah. It? Well, no, I find it weirdly disquieting. I don't. Yeah. I much prefer it when I just at the end we go. Well, we have no idea what's going on, but we talked yeah, about we still something don't for half know an what hour. Dust is, but yeah, you know, exactly. we've had a good chat. <laughs> yeah, so I think we've more or less answered it. Is first mover advantage still a thing? Is it a thing? Um, not as much as one might think, but it can be important, uh, especially with sort of you know manufacturing and stuff like that instead of information uh, business. Oh yeah, I guess. Um, uh, but, but just to re relate it back to drones, I mean, I think you know the actually the probability is. The people doing the drones mm. probably do have a significant first mover advantage. So, I mean, you, you know, I think that's what do you mean? The, the people answer. doing the, the well, well, it's hard to make drones. Yeah, it's it's easy to make a website. Yeah, but you it's harder and me to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a month of Sundays, yeah, create our own drone program. Hey, you give me an idea, <laughs> right? Let's do it. You, it, we've got the IP on that right now. Um, Okay, look, what, any before we kind of wrap up on something, anything we want to throw in at this last minute? Anything at all? No, lots of blank stares. Um, okay, look, look, let's finish off. I've got a question. Thinking about disruptors, um, thinking about, you know, there's already those first movers or second, third, fourth, fifth movers out there. If you wanted to disrupt a market, if you wanted to invade a market, um, which market do you think is ripe for the taking, Nick? Well, you see how... 
shops. Remember them? Shops, yeah. Yeah, like which you used to go in. I walk past all these empty places all the time. I think those were once shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So uh, you used to go there and buy them. And Mm. then, uh, you know, online services came along. And you might have thought 25 years ago, you might have said, well, BHS and Marks and Sparks, they're going to be the big player in the new digital world because they've already got the infrastructure. They've already got the, you know, the production lines and the logistics chains. So we'll be buying our clothes online from Marks and Spencer. But no, we're not. It's a whole new load of firms that have taken over the economy, like Amazon, Um, you know, because they've they've done something quite different. Now, it hasn't happened with food yet, right? Uh, We've still got the likes of Sainsbury's Mm. and... um, even you know McDonald's and Burger King. Are you like late to the party on this? So no, because listen, because there it's Isn't there only recent or something. No, or? Uh, you've only really just seen, and uh, the pandemic has given it a good nudge uh, up the hill. Um, the the massive rise of like your kind of Uber Eats and Deliveroo's and yeah. all of that. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying is mcdonald's time has come right i'm gonna you're gonna take on mcdonald's i'm gonna invade mcdonald's yeah because i can now i can i can instantly get a huge reach just through you know getting some good reviews on uber eats so so i i think we're gonna see what's your service what you are burgers burgers really nice ones yeah okay now i'm just saying i'm just saying that you know the all of that infrastructure I can I can now jump on top of which didn't exist before how? well in the old days I used to have a, have to you know cr- create restaurants and a brand and marketing and employ people now I can just scale up burger by burger mm. and are you doing are you is it a delivery service yeah it's all delivery it's only delivery just like Amazon right but you're making use of existing delivery services so you're not you're not going to employ drivers to... Don't need to do any of that. Yeah. So you want to be a burger restaurant that yeah, does online. You're going to cook burgers in your kitchen and sell Yeah, them. exactly. Entirely <laughs> online. But the thing Artisanal is can... burgers fresh from North London. Well, all I've got to do is scale up a burger at a time. I haven't got to worry about opening restaurants and that kind of thing. I've just got to get a production line for burgers, getting them out the door. I Look, I'm just saying I, that should happen, right? By analogy with... Because you would have said, no, you can't. You're not going to you know, create an online clothes business because Marks and Spencers will do it, but they didn't. But I think you've got a problem here. Which is, I don't think McDonald's is about burgers. McDonald's is about consistency and uh, cheapness, and, and, and yeah, it's about value. I can do all of that. So <laughs> just give me, give me a chance. Come on, don't write. All right, I, I'm going to give you the startup money. Okay, you, you, you've convinced me. You've convinced me. Uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced at all. <laughs> um, um, actually, one of my sons, what he wants to do, he wants to have um, a burger shack when he's not even when he's that much older. He wants to do it pretty soon. Lulu's Burger Shack. And I'll I'm gonna, totally go to that. Yeah, and like this. But I think I think you're. It's more about the whole artisanal thing. I think that's what that's your market. Well, mass produce yeah. artisanal mass, burgers. But we but we also in talked about how dystopian. Yeah, <laughs> where whole cows go in. Yeah, <laughs> and like perfect burgers. Come and the out drones come out with yeah. the burgers. Um, Jordan, uh, Nick actually stole mine slightly, oh, but no. um, <laughs> it's stole, so... literally stole your chips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm 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 constantly looking at Deliveroo and Uber drivers whizzing around um, London and wondering, sort of, you know, the explosion of food delivery. Like, what is the next kind of delivery? service that deliver to lincolnshire please but anyway yeah, go on um so i don't know what it could be it, food seems like it's done but i think there's something else probably that we're we haven't realized we're too lazy well, let's, to... let's just hold on so we've got we've got uh stuff which comes from amazon and food which comes from Deliveroo. what else is there must be something else yeah. what about medical supplies what about um yeah doctors. what are things you need that you never have or you forget to take with you 
Yeah. Because also maybe the doc, maybe the medical thing is something because you can get your online services, but is there some way of bridging like you get an actual doctor like delivered to you by drone? I don't know with a hamburger. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have we sort of yeah, something any- something but delivered? Mm. That's the something idea. Delivered. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel it needs more work. This concept. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Peter, um, a fairly boring tech example. I think there is a bit of a resurgence, a reaction going on, particularly among the younger, more tech-savvy uh, reaction against the Googles and the Facebooks and the Twitters and the TikToks harvesting all their data and the end of privacy. Mm. I think there's a market for an Apple-style whole-stack closed ecosystem that that builds laptops and phones and the operating systems that run on them plus all the apps and services with a promise, a contract to your consumer that you, you don't harvest any of their data. Their data is completely their own. They're completely in charge of their own data and they can share it with it, share it with whom they want. We as a company don't do that. We don't, we're not interested in reselling any of your data. I think there's a market there for that, but the entry costs are, are astonishingly high. That sounds like the final series of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, the end of privacy. It's a reaction to the end of privacy. So, but I mean, because there are little bits going on like this already. There are, there are sort of social medias which which provide that 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 kind of that that kind of service. There are laptop manufacturers who are design who who want to make it as easy as possible for you to fix and maintain your own laptop rather than it being throw away when it breaks. So there's like there's sort of it's partly eco, partly privacy based company. Are there higher tech. costs to these sorts of things to the consumer? Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah, there w- there would be because you mm. as a company are not harvesting as much. Okay, I'm not giving you my investment money. <laughs> yeah, but I but I would be more than willing to pay for that. Um yeah. if I yeah. could yeah I think the consumer like, would like, be interested yeah? in yeah. buying that as a sort of as a thing, you know. I tell you my only da- how I I feel like there may be a bit of optimism there. I in that, mm. you know, I I never use free apps i want to pay for an app because mm, really? I, I don't want all the ad well how i mean you oh know, i see from that sense yeah, you don't want all I the pop-ups with, and... what's what am i giving them if it's free supposedly mm, yeah, um yeah. but unfortunately i'm one of very few people i think you're in a so, minority you know in a, what they very small minority, still yeah. is making money from free stuff that is actually secretly a means of maybe you want to make your market just north london and mm. and well and all the preppers in america as well yeah, yeah. yeah. what's a prepper Doomsday. We've even done a podcast about preppers. <laughs> Crazy. You I, were should there. You it. I should remember this stuff. I should remember this stuff. I don't have an example. So the, the, yeah, the privacy paranoid libertarian type. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, again, you might need to pivot somewhere along the line and sort of make it some kind of alt right sort of website about moon landings yeah. or, and, you know, and yeah. Um, 4chan, the laptop company. Yeah. yeah. I don't have any actually, but I can. Maybe that's part of my problem actually. But I can. I can think about businesses that I want to have and I consider having. I guess in that some sense they are disruptive, but I don't really have one. But um, but yeah, I want. I too want to have a. I'd like to do a barbecue restaurant. That's what I'd like to have in my back garden in Lincolnshire, and maybe I should do that because mm. um, I like barbecuing. Yeah, and also there's this. Most of the food up there is just. Not the not the products, not the the cooking is rubbish up in Lincolnshire. Yeah. So so maybe I need to do that. Um, the other thing I'm really into painting cupboards, not as in what, like I'd, not I'd as in magnolia for but, a hazelnut sandwich, grilled yeah. hazelnut. I was going to bring you a hazelnut today. 
Yeah, I was oh, gonna, that's a shame. But I, but, but I forgot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like painting cupboards. I like Indian truck art. Um, yeah, and... I feel this also needs a bit of work before it's a really punchy <laughs> elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but what it are the things be like, polished up? But also, I'd have to go one of two ways with that. Either I sit there, and I really enjoy, it takes a long time, it's very labour-intensive, doing my Indian truck art, okay? Um, one of the problems is, is consistent supply of what you're actually painting on, right? Trucks. Well, I mean, doesn't this is where this is where I've been disruptive. You see, that's why I'm doing on a cupboard, not on a truck. Right. You know, um, but also I have I'd have to go on the full on artisanal thing. Yeah, that's five thousand quid for that, please. Yeah. Or I could just import stuff from Pakistan, and but then where's the fun in that? But um, yeah, this is the worst business plan I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. but it's good that you're thinking about it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to stop there. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, if you've got any thoughts or suggestions for topics, you can email us at podcast at We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, Peter, um, what should you do? Uh, you should move move first and quickly and hit that like and subscribe button. Damn right. Quick, 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 quick. Um, all right, we'll stop there. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Jordan Fermanis, Nick Hare, and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>